This is a Tech Briefs Media Group podcast. Welcome to another Who's Who at NASA podcast. Today on the Who's Who, we have Steve Gaddis, who runs the newly created Game-Changing Technology Development Office at NASA Langley Research Center in Virginia. Thanks for being with us today, Steve. Glad to be here, Billy. Steve, what are we talking about when we say game-changing technology development? Well, that's a question we get asked a lot uh, when we're talking about our program. And just way of an introduction, uh, the program, game-changing development program, is one of 10 programs within OCT, the Office of the Chief Technologist. And uh, in OCT, they've got Space Technology Program, which is being managed by Mike Gazarek and James Reuther. Um, so when you say game-changing technology, what we mean, we're looking for orders of magnitude impact in technology development. Uh, we're looking for cross-cutting infusion of uh, technologies that, that can be used in more than one place. We're looking for disruptive or transformative technologies. We're looking for aggressive schedules, short development cycles, two, uh, maybe three years, uh, 50% you know, improvement in performance, you know, 50% or more uh, reduction in costs or manufacturing costs or lead times. It's, it's, things, it's things like that. And, and so that, that's the kind of technologies that we're looking at. But we're also um, trying to revolutionize the way we have uh, or the way we do business at NASA. A lot of times it, it takes um, several years to get something rolling at NASA, and we want to be able to say, you know what, this one's not panning out. Uh, it's not meeting the metrics. So we pull the plug, if you will, and take that money and reinvest in, into another new start. Uh, and all of these align with agency priorities or any agency partners. So, so we want to have a streamlined business model. Uh, we want to have accountability through something we call continuation review. So periodically through the year, maybe once or twice a year, the program steps in with our principal investigator, and we see are we really uh, in the direction we want to go? Is it making adequate progress? Um, uh, is the technology maturation happening? And, and so we, we have the ability to make those decisions somewhat quickly. And so as you might suspect, I mean, we can have some, some breakthroughs in, in two or three years and uh, have agreements with, with projects such as uh, the Orion capsule or the Space Launch System. Uh, or other government agencies like AFRL and so on to have on-ramps into some of their systems. So when we say game-changing, it means a lot of things. But in essence, you know, we want to investigate disruptive ideas and approaches to revolutionizing space exploration. And so you mentioned uh, pulling the plug on certain technologies. What is the criteria for pulling the plug or deciding uh, that a project has run its course or that there's a, a good or bad project? Well, I wouldn't say that it's, it's, it's a good or a bad project, but, but we come in, like I say, we're, we're a high-risk, high-payoff program. And so we come in with a pretty tall order. Someone says, hey, we can do this in two years, and here's the metrics. Here's the performance metrics, the key performance parameters. And by the way, here are the numbers. Here, here are the actual thresholds we're trying to meet. So we're monitoring progress. And in and, and each one of our activities, um, is, has an overseer, something we call the GCD 
principal investigator or GCDPI, and it's very analogous to a DARPA PM. And so this, this PI is monitoring the progress in these certain uh, uh, CRs or con continuous reviews. They, they kind of step in. They, they get the level of insight into that activity. And they have to make a, a, a te technological st strategic call or, or uh, weigh in on some of the programmatics. But if these folks are on track, to meeting their technical objectives, then we allow them to continue to fund. But if it looks like they're just not going to get there, there's no reason to say, okay, for the next two years, we're just going to keep just let this run out. You know, we, we pull the plug, as I said before, and, and we do an orderly shutdown of a month or so. And But all the participants understand this is the governance model that, that we're operating in. And so we take those funds, and, and we already have a stack of potential new start activities that, that are needing investment, and we take those funds. And so a lot of times at NASA, we let things run four and five years, and then there's all these termination liabilities and so on, and it could take a long time to get out of something. Uh, that's not what the model is for the game-changing program. And what are your day-to-day -day responsibilities as a leader in this office? Well, um, I'm, I'm very busy, and currently, uh, like any other NASA program, we, we know we go through the, the planning and program budget execution cycles, and <clears throat> we have to turn in our budget ideas for next year, and and so we meet to see what uh, you know the technology horizon might look like, and what the future investments are, and we see you know uh, the investments we've already made, what their continuing needs might be, and we, we're developing. You know the portfolio for the program, and so you know on day to day, uh, I'm meeting with these GCDPIs, and we're talking about technologies and how they're going. We're talking about new ideas, and we're talking about meeting with other organizations, and you know how those meetings went with NRO and uh, AFRL and and DARPA and DOE and things like that. So we have a lot of collaborative type discussions we have a lot of brainstorming sessions we have a lot of reviews on how the projects are doing uh... we monitor those very closely on a month-by-month -month basis we report out to nasa headquarters uh, on a quarterly basis and then we have a, a a very large end of the year program review so uh... we're we're pretty busy we, we've currently got seven PIs. Uh, and their technology expertise is, is quite a broad spectrum, uh, anywhere from composites, nanotechnology, uh, power systems, solar arrays, uh, electric propulsion, com composites, manufacturing, additive manufacturing particularly. Uh, we're looking at uh, x-ray navigation, uh, optical communication, we, uh, high-speed computing, next-generation high-speed computing. So we've got uh, a lot of expertise on hand, and we've currently got about 30-something projects in the works that are fully funded. And uh, two of them were, were not meeting their metrics, so we pulled the plug on those and reinvested the funds. And uh, it's, it's, right now it's looking very well. It's, it's all running according to plan. What do you see as uh, space flights of the future and what space flights of the future will look like? What kinds of uh, new approaches do you think we'll see? So new ideas, uh, some of the ones that we're, we're currently working on and some of the ones um, that, that are in our new start hopper, if you will, 
uh, would be using things like composite cryogenic tanks that will reduce uh, the weight by 50% for something, some system like the SLS. And uh, we're also looking at, at power beaming technology, having a, uh, a ground infrastructure with a, a, a large laser that would shoot a high energy beam to, to a, a capsule that could go um, to low Earth orbit. We're also looking at, at cheap ways to get to low Earth orbit and, and be able to, to uh, put large structures together uh, in, in a cheap fashion. We're looking at doing, uh, building some of that hardware in orbit with additive manufacturing. So, you know, build what you need where you need it. And, and we're looking at uh, cryogenic propellant depots. Uh, so lots of different architectures, if you will, of, of how to do human space flight, how to do robotic um, investigations and exploration. It's, you know, the field is wide open. Yeah, what are, are there challenges there with such a wide open field in determining needs and prioritizing these different projects? You know, Billy, that, <laughs> that's a, that is a really good question. And yeah, we, we struggle with some of those, and it, and, but it's the good kind of struggle. Uh, it, it's always when you have a lot of innovative people, and the, the, we, our country is full of such smart individuals. It's difficult to uh, determine what, what we can invest in, when we should invest in it. You know, the why now question, is it the right time for it? Uh, does it fit well with the current agency priorities? You know, there's some, some technologies, uh, it's just not their time, uh, but they're still worthy of investment. Someone else would just have to make the investment. So it, it is a struggle for us, you know, to rank these different technologies and to help prioritize them. We, we'd like to just to be able to fund them all. What are the uh, sort of start-to-finish steps of bringing uh, a game-changing technology into the fold? I imagine that there's uh, ground testing and, and other sorts of processes. Yeah, there is. And, and what we like to look at is a technology that's at a, a technology readiness level of around three, which means it's not just an idea that it's got some proof in the pudding, if, if you'll let me say it that way. And, and so there's been a lot of bench work. There's been some analysis. There's been some peer review uh, it looks like it's sound physics, and it looks like there's been some sort of subscale demonstration that's, that's got some data that proves this technology is, is, is viable and feasible. And so we would pick it up at, at a technology readiness level of three. And, um, and then what would happen, like DARPA has DARPA PMs, we have GCD PIs, and the front door for technology investment is our PIs. And you could go to our website. Uh, we've got a technical website, and it's uh, gameon.nasa.gov. And you could see, you know, which PI uh, their technology focus might uh, lend to, to your needs. And you begin a dialogue with them, and, and you'd go through having several discussions. You'd be looking at data. And then if a PI decides this is something that's, that's worthy of consideration, uh, and it's the right time for consideration, and it fits within our portfolio and our agency priorities, uh, this PI would then bring a new start uh, proposal to our board, and the board would review it. Review it. The board's got uh, expertise uh, from across the agency. It's got, uh, it's, it's, it's got the, the program uh, leadership in it as well. It's got headquarters leadership in it. There's several of us that, that review these potential new starts. And we look at this certain criteria, 
you know, is it really game changing? Why is it game changing? Why should we, you know, invest in this now? Uh, you, you know, uh, what are they trying to do that's different than what's been done in, in the past? And, you know, how much is it going to cost? What difference will it make if we succeed? How long? And by the way, one of the major questions we ask is, can it transition? I mean, is there some end item customer that would be interested in this technology, you know, within NASA or, or another federal agency would be interested in this work. And, um, and we don't go forward unless there's somebody that's interested in using this. And, and then we get some sort of formal agreement with this potential customer that if we meet these specifications, uh, they'll take that design and go forward with it. So, so that's the new start. Uh, it, it gets approved, it gets off and running in a formulation normally six to 12 months, and if they meet their performance metrics during formulation, then there'll be a review to let it go into implementation, which could be two to three years, uh, working very closely with the customer, closely with headquarters for approval, and, and we've got these continuation reviews and the PI monitors those, and, and hopefully the end of the story is uh, that they've got this formal agreement with the customer, we meet all the metrics, and we do uh, a technology infusion, we do a handoff, um, and somebody, some other NASA directorate or some other NASA program like TDM, Technology Demonstration Missions, or, you know, HEOMD or SMD or somebody takes it on, and uh, you, you see the technology was developed and used. It didn't go on a shelf somewhere. Yeah, which, which one of these uh, game-changing technologies are, are ready to go and you're ready to see in action at this point out of the, the 30 projects? Well, we've got, uh, we, we've got something in uh, STP called the Big Nine, and uh, you can go to our website, uh, nasa.gov OCT, and see what the Big Nine are. But our portion of the Big Nine, we have four, and there's three that are really close to being ready. There's something called... Um, hypersonic inflatable aerodynamic decelerators, and we've got this, this uh, demonstration that's going to be out of Wallops uh, this month. I think it's J uh, July 20th through 24th, and, and it's going to be subordable, but we're demonstrating this inflation technology and this, uh, this certain material that can be used uh, to do some sort of aerodynamic decelerations on uh, a planet with, with uh, atmosphere, say Mars or maybe Venus or some some planet like that. And so we'll be demonstrating that this month. We're also uh, within about eight months of demonstrating a 5.5-meter composite cryogenic tank. Um, most of these tanks, uh, for folks that are you know, in that field, know that a tank of that size would, would have to be cured in a huge autoclave. We're doing all this work out of autoclave. It'll be a huge impact. Uh, not only for NASA, but for even companies like, like Boeing and Airbus and so on. And then uh, we're also developing legs for Robonaut. Most folks know that uh, Robonaut is up on station, and uh, Robonaut did some sign language a couple of months ago back down to some kids here on Earth, And hmm. but Robonaut needs his legs, and we should have those legs probably within the next 12 months. So those are some activities that are near-term for game-changing. You mentioned Boeing and, Air, and Airbus. How important is uh, private industry to, to making this all happen? Well, we, we want to partner with private industry. And, uh, you know, the, the commercial space, we're, we're looking at how a lot of our technologies can help them. It's very important to us that the work we're doing can be um, disseminated to all sectors in the aerospace field. So what we're doing 
uh, it's part of the vision of our chief technologist, you know, Mason Peck, that, that we properly disseminate our findings and so that folks in the aerospace field, whether it's, you know, it's a Lockheed or a Boeing or a SpaceX or a Sierra Nevada uh, or some smaller corporation that's interested in getting into the, the field can use this information and, and apply it to, you know, what they've got going on in their, in their companies. So uh, we, we talk to private industry on a regular basis. We team up with them wherever it makes sense. A lot of times they'll use their own internal uh, research and development funds. And we have a cost share activity with them, so we. I, I think it would be safe to say that we uh, we work very closely with with industry. And just to go a bit into into your bio here, you you were originally the uh, de deputy chief of the launch abort system, right? Yeah. So I, I spent um, I spent a year at headquarters being the program executive in in OCT for game changing. And before that, I spent five years uh, being the deputy manager for the launch abort system within the Orion project in the former Constellation program. And we did a, had a major success uh, May 6, several years ago with the Pad Abort 1. We demonstrated, and it had been 40 years, a new launch abort system. Uh, it was picture perfect. It worked just like it should. And so, yeah, I did that. And before that, I was working uh, on station, developing a couple of modules, uh, program manager for developing some modules for station, worked um, probably 10 years of my career on developing uh, advanced technology for the space shuttle main engines. And I did some advanced technology work with uh, Jupiter Icy Moons Orbiter back when JPL was managing what we call GEMO, mm -hmm. and I was the marshal lead for that. So I, I've had a lot of fun in my career, and but i got to say I'm having a lot of fun right now doing all this technology work. Sure, and are there any kinds of adjustments that you've had to make uh, in this new role? Well, yeah, and, but the adjustments are not bad. I mean, I, I came from uh, human spaceflight where I spent the majority of my career, and so I haven't worked very closely with, uh, with uh, aeronautics or the, the science mission directorate or even, um, you know, lower TR technology development. And with human spaceflight, we still do some technology development, but it's much closer to maturation for, for our own purposes. But... Uh, some of the adjustments, uh, I'm working very closely with researchers and scientists and, um, and chief technologists uh, across the agency and in other government agencies, and uh, they're very creative individuals, and um, sometimes they, they, uh, they push against processes, you know, much-needed processes, but, you know, it's a healthy tension, I think, to, to get things done, and uh, so far, it hasn't been anything that's been negative. I've perceived it all as very positive. It's been a great learning experience for me. And uh, it's been some adjustments, but it's been good adjustments. Mm -hmm. And we touched on it a bit. Are there any uh, particular challenges for you uh, in, this, in this role and, and uh, with the game-changing technologies? Yeah, I, I would say that one, one challenge, well, two challenges jump out. One is, you know, the program's not very old. And we've been chartered to do things differently, to be game-changing, if you will, uh, to be DARPA-like. Some folks have said that. To, to be the, you know, I, what they really kind of asked us to do was to be, uh, you know, the premier program or organization within OCT or, or within the agency to rapidly advance technology from concept to, to demonstration. So, so we had to change uh, our leadership model, our governance model, just a little bit to to try to impact the way we do business, and and it's been a challenge. You know, NASA's got a culture, and, and each one of the centers have have 
uh, somewhat of their own unique cultures and and uh, it, it's been a challenge trying to convince folks that hey you know we don't have to have a 10-year investment plan we can do these things in short development cycles and focus on critical technologies and it's been a challenge to to convince some folks to do that but but I would say that folks at NASA want to do the right thing and they want to do great work that that has an impact so folks have gotten on board and uh, we still got a challenge ahead of us to convince not only our key stakeholders but the field centers who who are doing the hands-on work and and so uh, I've got that challenge and and the, the next challenge is probably neck and neck with that one is there's never enough funding to do to, to support all the good work and it's a difficult task difficult to to prioritize the work I mean you, you want to do most of it if not all of it and it's hard to turn folks down. Uh, lots of smart people with great ideas. The country people are just coming out of the woodwork with ideas, and and um, so we've got great ideas within the agency and outside the agency. And it's just difficult to turn folks down. And but you know we've got to find some way to prioritize them and and uh, fund what we can with the limited budget we got. Wish we had more money. Finally, what is your favorite part of the job? I will tell you my favorite part of the job uh, is to work um, with with a vast group of people. I, I enjoy working with people. I think people are the most important thing. They really are the top main main asset that NASA has, and we've got lots of creative people, and and they just want opportunities. And I, I enjoy working with uh, the industry and the university folks and uh, the the headquarters folks and the field centers, and I, I just enjoy it. I enjoy working with the researchers and the scientists and the technologists, and uh, it, it gives me great pleasure to, to fund a lot of the work that they're doing and, and see what we would call true game-changing technologies come out of the endeavor. Well, Steve Gaddis, we at NASA Tech Briefs want to say thanks for taking the time to be with us. It's my pleasure, and I feel honored that you asked, Billy, so, so thank you.